The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, everybody. Welcome to Freebie Friday. As always, Freebie Friday is sponsored by JLD Hot Sauces and Knives. Guys, they have the best hot sauce anywhere. They have Bujolica. They have Thai flavor. They have the best selection of handcrafted knives for hunting, fishing, cooking. Uh, Christmas has passed, but it's not too late to start the year off better with better hot sauce, man. It's better than what you can get at the grocery. I swear to God, I eat it every, eat it every day on my eggs. It's fantastic. Go to JLDSharpSauce.com. Use the code SAINTS. Get 10% off your order today. All right, so the Saints aren't playing this week because it's a buy, and we got to fill the time, but I read a piece by a friend of mine. I've had him on before. It's been a long time. It's at Black and Gold Review. He's barely wash hour. And he wrote a fantastic piece. Go there now if you haven't read it. Pause the podcast. Uh, it's fantastic. It, it really is, Bradley. And I, I say this. I don't say this lightly. Uh, and I'm not just saying this because you have. I'm had. I'm having you on. I'm having you on because the piece is so awesome. The piece is called "Welcome to the Upside Down." And Bradley, you explain your theory of it because it got me thinking on so many things. But but explain. Your, your, the idea that, that generated you to write it and the thought behind it. Well, uh, first of all, appreciate the, the compliment. That, that's great. It means a lot to me. Um, but this one, I was, I was thinking my own way through uh, the emotional reaction that I was having to the Saints, uh, especially around the Carolina game, really in that, that stretch between Dallas and Carolina where the offense was – not just off, but like it was bad. It was it was really bad. And, and I have a few numbers in the piece that kind of establish a baseline for how bad it was. I mean, we're the worst like, since 2007, uh, basically the worst since the opening of 2007. Exactly, exactly. Just dreadful. Right, that September. exactly. Right, 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 right. Uh, you know, under five yards per offensive snap. You know, stuff like that, which is just it's unheard of in in the Peyton era. Um, and like I, I drew one comparison that you had to go back to literally Ditka to find an offense that over 16 games was as bad as the Saints were play by play in that one strip. Um, and, but in, in the end though, that didn't matter too much because we got the bye, we got home field. Uh, the defense was wonderful. Um, and we were winning games and that's, that's all that matters. Right. So it's ridiculous that as I'm watching these games, especially the Carolina game, I'm getting angry. I'm getting mad. And I couldn't figure out why. Like, why am I watching the Saints win a game, but I'm getting angry? This is not, <laughs> this is not how it works. I knew it was ridiculous as I was experiencing the emotions. Um, so I kind of sat down. You know, we got the kid to bed, and I sat down. And I'm like, all right, I need to think my way through this. Um, so I just started writing. And a lot of the time when I'm writing, um, whatever the topic may be, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to almost figure out why I'm experiencing the feelings about that topic that I'm feeling. Um, so what we do is we go through and we analyze how bad the Saints offense was in that stretch and then talk about how good the Saints defense was in that stretch because in that stretch of football between Dallas and Carolina, 
the defense was putting up numbers that they hadn't put up, not just since 2013 or uh, 2000 with the, uh, the Swamp Dogs, who left the dogs out defense. You had to go all the way back to the Dome Patrol to find some of the numbers that they were putting up in that stretch of football. Um, and it got me to thinking of the identity of the team and how in that stretch, it really had completely flipped. We were being carried by a, a dominant defense. And it and happened like we that. Watching... It wasn't like it was a gradual thing, right? They Going into Dallas, exactly, exactly. they were rolling. You know, and the defense was good. I mean, we were putting up 40, 50 points a game. Yeah. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like you... You started to see this in the middle of October. You're like, oh, Breeze is getting old. Starting to lean right, on the run right. game. And you could see it and you could point back to it. It was like the Saints were just crushing teams. And then it's like they went to Dallas and it's like the light went off on the offense. Right. And the light went on on the defense. And the defense went from being good enough to win a Super Bowl to this behemoth that is wrecking people. And it was, it, it was jarring. Right. It, was, it, it was overnight. I, that's the thing that I, I really liked about your piece, how you sort of put it together and trying to work your way through it. But the interesting thing about your piece that, that – and you could talk about it is, mm-hmm. you know, and it got me to thinking about – I don't know how old you are, but the, the 1992 Saints lost the playoff game to the Philadelphia Eagles, and it was sort of the end of the Jim Mora era. It was the they had it was the fourth playoff game. It was the 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 fourth straight loss. It was the third loss at home, and it was just heartbreaking. And you kind of knew it was over. But the, but your piece, the thing that got me thinking about it was the the reason that playoff game still haunts me, Bradley, is because that Dome Patrol it led the NFL. It, they gave up twelve points a game, and they led that game twenty to seven. In the third quarter. And when you look at the Dome Patrol, you should say 20 points at home with a two-touchdown lead at the end of the third quarter. That should be enough to win a playoff game. And it just all fell in on them in the fourth quarter, and they lost. It would have been one thing if they'd have lost 12-10. You'd be like, offense failed us again. But it was the defense, man. The defense let him down. Randall Cunningham hit bombs, and it just fell apart on him. And that was the thing that tied into your article. You started working through this fear of what happens if the Saints' offense fails us in this playoffs. That's exactly it. You know, and the Carolina game stood out because, especially tied in with the Dallas game, um, if the Saints' defense is giving up nine points. Even in a quote-unquote bad Sean Payton, Drew Brees offensive day, that should still be, or it has been in the past, a 20-point win, basically, um, or close to it. Uh, so the idea that we were sweating out a win, a key win, uh, in a game where we had allowed nine points in the fourth quarter uh, kind of just blew my mind. I was like, what, <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, and, and it got me thinking also, because we'd also been talking about you know, the Breeze for MVP hashtag that we've been playing around with and uh, sort of his legacy and, and all of these different issues. And the fact that, you know, he is an aging quarterback, you know, he, he is approaching the end of his career. Um, yeah, as I was writing, I was thinking about how, you know, even if Peyton is here, which we hope he will be, I'm sure, uh, beyond the uh, uh, Drew Brees era, uh, we're still talking about greatest player in team history and you know the the probably definitive sports figure in new orleans history 
And, uh, and I was thinking also about how watching this team kind of carry me through different periods of life. Um, you know, I, I can, I'm old enough from, you know, the 30s. I, I can remember vaguely early 90s teams a little bit. I remember being sad, you know, if, <laughs> if Martin, Martin Anderson missed a field goal or something. Um, I can remember the five and those start in 93 and, and the, you know, three and eight finish. Um, and I really have a soft spot for the 2000 team because that was kind of my first playoff appearance that I was really fully engaged for. Um, but the era, uh, you know, that got me through college. It got me through life changes like moving to the East Coast for a few years and meeting my wife. Um, it got me through, through you know, new, the beginning of my career, got me through jobs and uh, it kind of guided me back home to New Orleans over the years. Um, this year, it's kind of coincided with the birth of a first kid. Um, and the idea that this time um, kind of could end very, very suddenly, uh, which relates back to that concept of this wasn't a gradual thing. It was just all of a sudden, uh, not to get too dramatic, but it makes you kind of think about how you know, mortal things are, how, how limited things are. You know, we, for a long time, it, it just felt like Breeze would play forever. You know, he, and, and we talked about him playing until he was 45 years old as if that were a realistic thing. Um, you know, and maybe it will happen, but it probably won't. And to realize that we could maybe weeks away from that time ending, a year away from that time ending, it's not that far away. Um, it kind of blew my mind. It kind of made me think, wow, okay, I think this is why I'm feeling this way, because we are seeing this team shift into what it will become after you know, Drew is gone, most likely. Uh, yeah, and that time is not far away. It's very, very close. Yeah, and the, the thing that's interesting is, you know, you 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 think – I think the thing that I love the most about your – the column is that you put it in perspective of, you know – we are used to the Saints' defense failing us in the Sean Payton era. Right. Look, we had three straight seven and nines. Even in the, the the year of the Super Bowl, and they won, we went into the playoffs knowing the defense isn't really great. It just has this magical turnover fountain that mm-hmm. it drinks from every single week, and that's not really sustainable. And what happens if it turns off? They're going to be screwed and I don't know if that's going to make it through the playoffs. And it did, right? The turnover, the turnover spigot right. did not stop. It, it it happened in Arizona, it, Minnesota. Tracy Porter, the Tracy Porter again in the Super Bowl. Like it just it never ended. But it was such a close run thing. And I think, you know, we have this feeling that the defense could betray us. But the thing is, it, it's sort of like in life, Bradley. You, you it, mm-hmm. as you have experiences, you, you know how to handle certain crises that you've been through before. You're like, oh, this is really bad, but it's a grandparent dying, or for me, it's a parent dying. Yes, it's terrible, but I've been here before. I know what it's like, and it's terrible, but I can get <laughs> through it. Whereas, like, if the Saints are in a playoff game and it's middle of the third quarter and they're playing the Bears and it's 28 to 27 and the defense sucks and Eli Apple's getting roasted, the dome. We'll be uneasy, but we'll be like, you know what? We've been here. Drew right. will just outshine Trubisky. If he has to throw for 500, he'll throw for 500. We'll hit the reset button next week, and it'll be fine. But, man, Bradley, if we're in that playoff game 
and they're playing Dallas, and it's middle of the third quarter, and it is six to three. We are going to be freaking out because we're just not equipped Absolutely. emotionally to handle it. Right. The idea that the offense could let us down. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I compared it, it. It's not as bad as this, of course, because nothing is worse than what happened to the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Nothing is worse, <laughs> no. which means nothing is better than 28 to three. Um, but the idea is exactly like you said, we could go into a playoff situation with everything laid out right in front of us for the taking and go into that situation the year that the defense finally came together, not just good enough to help let the offense carry us to a championship, but good enough to carry us there itself if it needed to. Uh, but then we could have a bunch of three and outs and have a couple of turnovers and score 12 points and lose the game that would you know that, that would break us it would break me i, I could not i don't think i could well, deal with that and here's here's the thing that's funny and, and we'll get to it's, we're gonna get to positive stuff in a minute but you know around america people think oh the minneapolis miracle that'll haunt saints fans forever it didn't really haunt us like they, people want it. Mm-hmm. Falcon fans, national media, they think it will, and they think they wouldn't get over. Like I felt like I got over that really quick. Like other playoff games haunt me forever. I'm telling you, if the Saints shit all over themselves and lose a playoff game at home, 14 to 10 to Dallas, that will haunt me for fucking ever. The Minnesota game? Yeah, no, no, I'm over I completely it. It just, agree. That was just, you know, my, my friend of mine, and he's great on Twitter, Skooks, he had, a, he, he had a great thing the next day. He said, the Saints won the game against Minnesota, but then this weird thing happened, and they can't play football anymore this year. And <laughs> I, I was remember just that. like, yep, I was that's like exactly there you go. That's what it was. They won, and this weird thing happened, yeah, and, and they can't play anymore. But And it was the classic thing where, you know, Breeze played out of his mind in that second half, and then, oh, well – Okay. All right. Well, okay. We'll get it next year. We got, but we, we, we dealt with that. Yeah. The thing is, though, as far as the positive is, I look at the Saints and and this defense. You laid out the numbers, man. It's so good. I, I, not that I'm overconfident, but I feel like playoff games. You look at even like the Saints and and Philadelphia last year. Like teams that go to the Super Bowl, they're gonna have one of their two playoff games. It's just gonna be. A game that's going to age you. You're going to drink. You're going to drink so much. You're going to make Keith Richards blush. It's going to be horrible. And that's how Philadelphia was last year, right? Like they barely escaped Atlanta. If, if Atlanta runs a better play at the goal line, Philadelphia might lose, right? The next week, mm-hmm. Nick Foles was unbelievable. And they cut Minnesota to shreds. So I feel like the Saints are going to have one of these three games that they have to win the Super Bowl. Like it's going to be the game of our nightmares, isn't it? Like it's going to be this. 17 to 10 shit fest that we're just going to have to like survive and, and bear it. Or am I wrong? Do you think they might click it on and it'll, they'll just roll through? It's so tough. Um, you know, I'm thinking back down to the Pittsburgh game, which uh, felt a little bit more classic and the, the defense did this down. It, it, it didn't. Um, I think I feel like a lot of what Pittsburgh did was uh, big Ben with a, with a mix prove the Saints were somehow insulting football. You know, Cam Jordan I comment. Like I thought Pittsburgh... that, as a side note, was was a ridiculous was a ridiculous statement from Ben. The idea that Cam Jordan doesn't respect the game because he cracked <laughs> a joke or cracked made a comment about Big Ben. I mean, come on. But I'm, that was Antonio yeah. Brown and Big Ben kind of going off on their defense. Defense did enough. 
and Drew kind of carried us over the top. We, that was fine. Um, but I agree with you. I think in the playoffs, the defense will play the way we've gotten accustomed to this particular defense playing. And I think at some point, um, because of the nature of the defenses that we're probably going to have to get through to get to the Super Bowl or through the Super Bowl, um, more than likely they're going to have to carry us in one of those games. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is with this defense, and, and you laid out some statistics that it, it really set it home to me. I mean, this, to me, you know, we were talking on the podcast a while ago, me and Andrew, one of the preview ones, and we were trying to figure out the identity of this team. Like, what does this Saints team do that you have complete confidence in? And <laughs> Andrew made the point. He's like, the thing that I have the utmost confidence in this team doing is smothering the opposing team's running game with a pillow. And I was like, that's pretty much it. Like from day one, like no one's run on the Saints. And it's weird to say that because like you said, we're offense, offense, offense. But like the the thing that I trust the most is their run defense. And in 2018, I don't know how valuable that is, Bradley, but I think that's (laughs) it. It, it's it's completely true, uh, especially now that you kind of state it in those terms, um, because they can do everything else. They can have a great pass defense for a, a great pass defense for a week. They can have the best Drew Brees passing offense ever. They can have a great dominant running game. Um, they can win any particular way with special teams. With they, They've done it every single way. But the only thing they have done every week is play run defense. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of that either. Um I will say, I will say that, especially in the back half of the year, um, the pass rush has been really consistent, too. Uh, and I always think about how, I mentioned earlier, how that 2000 team was really oh, to me. It was like my first, that, that my first uh, uh, playoff run, and of course we had a playoff win, uh, where I was really old enough to, to fully appreciate it. Um, but that, that, that ruined me for life in terms of appreciating pass rush, because if you're not getting 50 sacks, I don't really care. Like, I mean, oh, they had, what did they have, You got 48, that, that's fine. 66, yeah. something like that. It was, it was, yeah, it it was, was close it, to 70 sacks. And I mean, they had, they had, they had three yeah. guys with 10 sacks on the defensive line. They right, had right, Willie, right. If you go down the list, it's... They had Willie Whitehead had seven. Willie Whitehead, for like most of the Sean Payton era, would have been the Saints' second best pass rush. We'd have killed to have a pass rush that good, and he was like the Absolutely. fifth best guy on that team. Right, I mean, right, the right. pass rush didn't get um, to Pittsburgh, right, but... I just feel like this defense, it doesn't have – I mean, they may they may lose a playoff game because just weird – you can get football, turnovers, whatever. I just – I don't feel like the defense is going to have a game where they give up 30-plus in the Dome. No, I agree. And uh, uh, thought is – yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, the thing that's about the defense that, that's sort of uh, revolutionary to me is like, you know, you talked about the 2000 team, but the 2000 team, it wasn't really linebacker-based, right? And even the good defenses that Sean yeah. Payton had, it, it, Vilma was really good, but Vilma wasn't, like, exceptional. The linebackers now, mm-hmm. like, it's fun. I mean, Demario Davis, I remember the, the Saints signed him and – it was like an afterthought because they had missed out on Jimmy Graham and they had brought Patrick Robinson home. And the same day they did DeMario Davis, and he was like an afterthought. And he's the best linebacker the Saints have had since Ricky Jackson. Like, he's he, this oh, year, he's agree. better than Vilma ever was. And I love Vilma, 
but it's just it's it's weird to see good linebacker play again. It's it's jarring. I don't even know like what to what to compare it to. I think, man. Well, up till now, when you when 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 somebody made a great play at the line of scrimmage, it was either a defensive lineman, um, or a Roman Harper or Von Bell or somebody coming in on one of those blitzes. Uh, you you our linebackers, you you. you excited about a play they made you know five yards down the field now it's yeah. like somebody flies in there and you realize wait it's it's davis or it's even anzalone or somebody and you're like wait this what's going on here um i don't know what to compare it to because it's a completely different era of football from the dome patrol but uh i will say that the davis signing uh it was one of those deals where you knew he had a great year last year with the jets um but I assumed that was his career year, and we would get 75% of that. I didn't realize we were going to get 100% of that. He's been exactly what he was last year. And uh, that's probably low-key one of the more surprising events of 28 that we signed linebacker who, coming off a career year, replicated the career year the year we got him. That's never happened before. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was the thing. Like, he's a one-year wonder, and he's 29. Are the Saints buying right. – are the ba- Saints buying Pets.com at the height of the market, you know? Um, <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly right. But, you know, this team – this this play – how how are you feeling about the playoffs, and what do you – you know, look – People will be listening to this podcast. We'll be going into the bye week. We're going going into the, the wild card weekend, which, by the way – the bye is great because the Saints get to rest and it's fun. But as a fan, I think getting the bye and being able to watch four playoff games, knowing the Saints are playing next week and you're just watching to see who they're going to play, it is one of the true great fan experiences. So, guys, if you if you listen to this, enjoy this weekend. Like, it's just so magical. But who do you – who do you because because we didn't we, we're recording this we we haven't even done week seventeen so we don't even know how you know we, we know the Saints they won't play the Rams and they won't play the Bears so they play four five six so they either play Dallas Seattle or Philadelphia Minnesota right of those three like who do you necessarily think is the best matchup for them and who do you who are you like oh my God I just I don't I don't I don't want it I think the Saints can win but I just don't want them to play this team because of PTSD from football scars in, your pre- in, in life before or whatever reason, or you just don't like them. Who do you want them to play and who don't you want them to play? I don't know. I, I feel sort of equally about all three. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't see Dallas doing what they did in Dallas. That they it was in the Dome. Um, they're not going to hold us to what was it, 10 points or you know that's not going to happen again. Um, uh, Minnesota, they, I feel like we match up better with them now than we did earlier in the season when we beat them by 10. Uh, so I'm not particularly worried about them. Um, Seattle's interesting too, because Seattle's run the ball so much this year. And you'd think on paper that that would play right into our defense strength. And I think it does. Um, but Wilson is playing close to MVP level football. And he and you can't and, and uh, he, he never gets blown out. So like if you if you play Seattle, right, right. it's gonna be a close game. Like Russell Wilson, I think in his career, he's lost by more than ten points like twice. Like he just 
Right. They just don't get blown out. There's a version of both a Dallas game and a Minnesota game where I can see us winning, you know, 28-17 or 13 or something. I feel like if we play Seattle, I, you know, I I, I would be confident, but I think we'd be sweating that one out to the so that's probably the thing I would like least, but but I'm it's weird because I, we're talking about this piece where I'm going through my like my, my worries and my issues and my anxieties about the team, um, but I'm still pretty confident in this team. Yeah, I think that goes back to the idea that it can play any kind of game, it can win any sort of game, um, and so maybe just the idea that they are back in the dome, and kind of control the environment that they're going to be playing in, um, hopefully control the type of game that they're going to play. Uh, I think that makes us confident. I think, I mean, the team is certainly confident, but I think we should be relatively confident as fans. I think we have that right uh, for this playoff run. I think the thing with Minnesota is, and I talked about it on Twitter, and I may talk about it in a column if they play. The thing about Minnesota is, I think I have an irrational fear of them because of last year, what, what happened in the playoffs. And because, I guess, as a fan, you just look at them, and you and, and as a Saints fan, we remember them of last year, right? They were 13-3, and three and they were dominant. And I feel like there's this there's this nagging thing in the back of my mind that's like, that 13-3 and three team, Bradley, they're going to appear at any moment. Like, right, the, right. The, 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 the Vikings that are 9-6-1 or whatever, like, they're mediocre now, but, like, that 13-3 and three team is going to – magically appear like Superman any moment, and we don't want them. And I, I think um, with Dallas, I think Dallas, the Saints would blow them out because I think Dallas, like, if they get, if the Saints would get, if they could, the Saints could be playing Dallas, and it could be 7-3 to three in the middle of the second quarter, and the Saints create a turnover mm-hmm. and make it 14-3, to three, and Dallas is done. Like, Dallas cannot yeah, play is. a high-scoring game. Philadelphia... They worry me just because the Saints beat them so badly. But I feel like Nick Foles, he never, even in the Super Bowl year last year, he didn't play three good games in a row. He played crappy versus Atlanta. They won. He played great in the NFC Championship. He played great in the Super Bowl. Like, I feel like Nick Foles, if he got them to that moment, he would be due for his Nick Foles four interception game versus the Saints, and I would go into that game really right. confident. So it probably would rank them. I would want Philly first, Dallas second, and Minnesota third as least team I least want to play. And I know my fears on Minnesota are totally not rational. I accept that. And you, I have the and same can... fears about Philly. I have the same fears about Philly because, I don't know, it, it's an idea of Foles as this, this January <laughs> pixie creature that shows up in their roster and all of a sudden he's good, even though he's terrible most of the time. And I know he doesn't string those games together necessarily, but there's almost some kind of magical uh, uh, element to their whole thing. Um, but at the same time, they had they were they were at home last year, right? Like they they could again sort of dictate how those games were played. They they could sort of protect him a little bit. Um, I don't I don't see Nick Foles outdoing playoff Drew Brees. I mean that's the other thing too we have to think back on is that Drew. Uh, I mean has he had a bad playoff game. I mean, Has he ever played he, a bad playoff he, game? He, um, he was he was awful. I mean, Minnesota just sort of shut them down. He was awful for a quarter and a half against San Francisco. Like that that playoff game in 2011, right? They drove down. Pierre got the concussion, and then it went sideways, right. really weird for the Saints for a, a quarter and a half. But like. 
by the end of the half, like, he had figured it out, and it was like the Saints were down 17-14, and you were like, oh, San Francisco, you're in trouble because the Saints shit the bed for the right. first half, and you're only up three, and Drew Brees has figured out your good defense. Right. You're in trouble, buddy. And, and like, I would kind say— Kind of the same thing last year, right? Like, Yeah. Where, where Drew last year against Minnesota had a really weak first half. The, the offense didn't do a whole lot, but the second half, he was, he was Hall of Fame Drew. It was, it was, the second half was one of his best performances ever. Um, maybe the Chicago game in 06, but that's so long ago. I mean, it was... yeah, that that would be that would be his worst play. And even that game, like that game was 17 to 14. And remember, the Saints tried the long field goal with the guy. I, I right. forget his name. Cundiff, Billy, Cund- Billy Cundiff, Cund- I think. Yeah, he they tried the long field goal instead of going for it on like fourth and two. Uh, when they had, they had they had grabbed that game by the horn, and I that game was weird. I felt like that game. It was so close to tipping in the Saints' favor. Like, if the Saints could have got that drive and got it to 17-17, like, Rex Rex Grossman was ready to crack. Like, he was ready to become Rex Grossman and disappoint that whole stadium. But the Saints just couldn't quite push him over. But that's a – I guess that's a – I remember Thomas Jones running at us, like, 20 Uh, times in a row or something, or at least it felt that way. He just couldn't do anything about it. Going back that's to defense, one, I guess. That's one of the the most miserable experiences when you're so when your team is so close to the Super Bowl and you know in from like the beginning of the fourth quarter to the end, like you're not going. And you still have to watch because nope. it's the Saints and it's the NFC championship and you've never been there before. But you know you're not winning and you just you're what you want is like right near you and you just have to sit and take it. Like it's like that was almost that was almost a worse watch. I would actually prefer the San Francisco loss or the Minnesota loss to just no chance and you're just waiting for it to end. Like it was miserable. But uh before I let you go I think that ties back into exactly what we're talking about with this piece too, because if we lose a playoff game, most likely it's going to be the scenario that it lays out where we're going to be right there. We can feel it. We can sense it right over the horizon. And if the offense is the part that doesn't get us there, um, that that'll that'll be rough. It's it's funny though. The Saints have shuffled the bottom of their roster. Like the only thing that concerns <laughs> me is the offensive line health. And Sean Payton has churned right. the bottom of the roster yesterday. Like they're. All their linemen are wearing a ball cap tomorrow. They get a week off. So they're going to have basic – and, then, you know, they're not going to obviously have tackling the week of the playoff game, right? So they're basically going to get th- almost three full weeks of rest. Maybe it will help them. I, I feel like – we talk about Armstead all the time, Bradley, but I, I look at Ramchak, and that dude, his ankles hurt. He's got the armor thing like RoboCop. Like, I feel like he is really beat to hell, and he's low-key under the radar. Um so that's my biggest worry. Before I get you out of here, what's your what's your biggest worry for the Saints going to the playoffs? And who's a guy that if if I told you one guy that's not a star can just kill it for the Saints for two playoff games, who would you pick? I think there's a good chance that we might finally see the Traquan Smith that we've oh, been be kind of hoping that he hoped and he's had flashes of it, and then he's disappeared for most of the year. But every now and then, you see kind of that long stride speed guy that we, that we hope we got uh, in the second round. Uh, yeah, he's my pick because somebody's going to step up. Uh, Drew's going to have numbers at some point. Somebody's got to catch those passes and it's not always going to be Mike Thomas. Um, so yeah, Traquan's my guy if he's playoff. I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful about Traquan. And your biggest worry? 
my biggest worry is exactly what we've talked about, man. Like I, I just, if we get to a shootout, it'll be crazy. It'll be, it'll drive us all insane. Twitter will be a mess. Um, but we've been there. We've done that. Uh, and if we get into a shootout, even if we lose, at least in the ride, we, we know that we have the better quarterback. Um, yeah. But think, if we are in that situation that you laid out earlier, it's six to three in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Uh, that that's it. That's that. I'm that going, is the I'm, biggest fear. I I booked my ticket for the first playoff game. I I you know the games are either going to be it's either going to be three o'clock Saturday or seven fifteen Saturday or sun. So I I booked the whole window. So I'm in New Orleans the whole weekend. Uh, I I can't. I, I, they they had like it'd be one thing to lose the NFC Championship game, and they can't lose the first play. They, they if they they cannot lose this first playoff game, they've got to get to the NFC Championship game. But uh, I, I think, and this is this is just like the writer in me, Bradley. But I I, I have this sense that Eli Apple has to factor into this Super Bowl run or the Saints not making it some sort of way. Like, he's been such a big acquisition, and he's helped so much, but he's been up and down. Like, he's going to factor in, good or bad, like, that that, that corner opposite Lattimore. Like, it, it, there's a story there. I don't know. And, and the good thing is I don't know how it's going to be. Like, I, I don't know that it's going to doom – it's going to sink the Saints. Like, it might be – it might be okay. Eli, Eli Apple might be great. But he's going to factor in – is there a guy that you look at and you're and – you, and, and this will be my last question, then we'll get out of here. Is there a guy that you look at and you're like, that dude for the Saints, he – you know, not a star, but he's a dude. He's going to factor in one way or another. I think that it has to be Apple, and we could do an entire podcast episode <laughs> on the theory of the second cornerback in the Sean Payton Saints team. Yeah, no, uh, which you have another short version of it is any year Greer, that we've Jabari got two. Greer. Right, any, any year that we've got two cornerbacks, we make the playoffs. Any year we only have one cornerback, we go seven to nine, um, and that up every year um, and we were on our way I think well maybe not we I mean Drew was so good earlier this season that it didn't really matter too much um, but Apple acquisition settled that second cornerback spot um, so as long as we have cornerback number two whether it's Apple whether it's somehow a resurrected Ken Crawley coming off the bench <laughs> um, it'll, it'll, it'll have it'll have to be Apple it's supposed to be real uh, I think we'll fine um but that means that if something happens to apple or, or to Lattimore, to either of those corners um things will get hairy that is that, oh. that is the the tip point for defense i wish i wish they could play i wish the saints had a roster of 90 this week and could just stop people, pull people out of the stadium uh, pull people out the stadium 20 of them were cornerbacks <laughs> yeah just like you hey season ticket holder section 603 Row ten, seat twenty. Come on down. You're playing corner. Like, just, I, just, I know I can't, I can't, I can't handle. They, they've got to get through this week healthy. But Bradley, thanks for joining me, guy. Everybody, go to Black and Gold Review. Go to Black and Gold Review. Uh, dot com. Read Welcome to, to the Upside Down. It's fantastic. They got other great stuff on there. They got culture. They got Americana. It's one of my favorite sites. I had him on because he's one of my favorite Saints writers. Uh, Bradley, thanks for joining us, guy. Thanks so much, Ralph. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. 
Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.